Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Today is December 6th, and lo and behold, the year is ticking down to the ball that'll drop and bring us into 2023. I feel like it's the busiest December, December I can remember in a few years. Um, maybe that's just because everything got smushed into the back end here of 2022, but that's not a bad thing. That just means that you have some some runway into 2023, and hopefully we we don't you know get too crazy there. But we'll talk about that today. Um, you'll find this podcast and every other podcast we've ever recorded at mspinitiative.com under sessions. It is an audio and video format, so pick whichever one fits you best. Especially not video while you're driving, hopefully. And uh, yeah, today's special guest. And, and I appreciate him from coming on because I think he found about uh, this a little bit last minute. But Shane Deegan from Threat Locker, welcome to the show today, my friend. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. I think I saw you at an, a very, very wet Orlando. <laughs> it's always wet. You know, it's, it's either even when it's hot, it's still wet. You know how it yeah. is. That humidity never gets old. Yeah. Well, we did have some hurricane weather, or so they said, but we still were able to. You know, swim stop. our way through the through the wind and the rain and had a pretty good pretty good orlando experience there not too long ago we did big shout out on that one that was a one hell of a party big time hey you know uh when you, where there's a will there's a way right there is there is indeed <laughs> <laughs> so um i guess topical today uh as you know we you know technology land never stops uh looks like um rack space and that's a name that's been in the industry for a long, long time, uh, announced that their hosted exchange product, um, which they're kind of famous for, right? Before Office 365 was 365, Rackspace was doing hosted mm -hmm. exchange. And it looks like they had uh, an, a prolonged outage this past weekend. Uh, they just came out and announced that that was due to a ransomware incident. Just goes to show you, doesn't matter whether you're big or you're small, uh, that kind of thing still happens. Um, very big topic throughout 2022 through all the events I've been at was that the insurance industry is starting to figure this thing out and they're starting to, you know, cover less and pay out less and, or, or charge more <laughs> and you know, not pay less, collect more, deliver less. It's, it's probably not the best tandem, but anyway, I digress. So security, security, security. I feel like that's a never ending topic because. It's real. That's the reality. It's real. So, you know, Shane, you know, you've been you've been at a lot of places. You talked to a lot of MSPs this past year. It was a very busy year. I know everybody mm. came out of the pandemic coma and just went crazy. Uh, so we saw a lot of events this year and a lot of people in person, which I prefer, by the way. You know, this is like my secondary thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I love I love being in person. So. Why, why, why are the bad guys so successful at causing these types of incidents? I know that's a big, wide open question, but is it literally the simple things that everybody forgets to do that, that ultimately jam you up? Or is it just getting harder to kind of get, keep the, keep the bad guys out of the mix? I think at this stage, it's kind of a mix of both. You know, you see your security researchers and, you know, top tier guys kind of reiterating over and over again, over your basics, basic patching, basic training. And you're seeing that, you know, fail time and time again. That's backed up with the other side of things that 
you know, these organizations, you know, you, you've seen these ransomware gangs getting more and more complex, restructuring to almost mimic or just essentially be a, a, a legitimate business with obviously illegitimate, you know, a mission statement, whatever it be. But they're, you know, they've got, they're hiring, um, they have HR departments, they've got incentives, they've got, you know, all this stuff that you would see in, we see internally. So, um, so is it the ransomware sales comp plan? Is that how this works? Like I think there's so. a sales team and they get a commission or out of hundred percent. Yep, a hundred percent. It's tiered up wow. just the way it is here. So internally, obviously we have our sales teams and their whatever they have their base salary, then they have their compensation awarded and then how they perform. You're seeing the exact same thing. You're seeing the inner workings being leaked a lot from a lot of these organizations. Um, and it's, it's that's what it is. They have HR teams, recruiting bonuses targets set, they have different tiers of, you know, of engineers, if you want to call them for, you know, or hackers or bad actors, whatever you want to call them. So they'll allocate these, these leads, essentially. So they've got leads to a, a small mom and pop business. They might give it to a tier one hacker to get leads to, you know, a large scale bank or, you know, government, government body. And all of a sudden they get to bring their top, the top brass in to work on these. So it's just mimicking what we're seeing in any of your, your, your typical business and, and vendors. It's, it's wild how it's gotten. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of solutions out there. I feel like we're in security overload because there's just so much innovation in security land, right? Like mm. it's almost at the point now where you're like, do I have tools overlapping other tools? Do I have, you know, like what's my overarching plan and, and how do I execute on it as, as an MSP who didn't start in security land, right? I, I Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, I keep on reminding people to caution themselves on calling themselves, you know, anything, right? I know we have our friend Keith Nelson online. He, he'll tell you time, time, time again, right? Like, be careful on how you present yourself because that could come back to bite you yeah. on the other side. Um, I, I love the security focus of MSPs. It's just, I don't think, I think it's very difficult to build the competency inside of your organization's to actually fight this on any large scale. So I just don't know what the price point is for that chain, right? Because you're, you're, you're seeing as well the rise of, you know, a lot of these items, like a lot of MSPs transition from break fix. That's where a lot of them got their start. You know, that's the, the typical tried and tested formula. But when you see, and I see, I see it quite often, like people transition to MSPs with dollar signs in their eyes. You know, they're not security practitioners. They don't know. And I'm not here to say that I know everything. Far from it to be the case. But, you know, some of these guys are coming and all of a sudden they haven't even run an MSP, but they want to start an MSFP. And at that stage, you start going down that level, you know, down, down that, it gets very tricky, you know, because you, you, you mentioned Keith Nelson. You see all these guys, you got your, you know, Matt Lees of the world, all these guys who are, just live and breathe this stuff. You know, to get to that level, you need to start somewhere. We're just landing in, setting up a business domain, calling yourself an MSFP all of a sudden. It just doesn't doesn't bear weight at all. It you know it gets pretty pretty tricky. Yeah, I, I think part of the um, I think part of the challenge, right? Because you know everybody's scared of their name in the headline somewhere, right? And we've had a lot of that. This I don't know. Let's call it past twenty four months, right? There's just been a lot of named big things that have occurred. Um, and then, you know, you, know you, you couple that with a little bit of the financial uncertainty happening in the market and you couple that with, you know, I guess, you know, you, you know, it's a little bit outside of the industry news, but we're going to bring it back in, right? That FTX, right? Going belly up and mm-hmm. cryptocurrency and like, that's kind of sort of how all these guys 
transact right through these through these like you know digital things right you know currencies so it, it feels like it's just very shaky is wild wild west the right definition i don't know but it seems that you know you're you're a road warrior you're on the road so much and i feel like i, I do quite a, a few shows um and i'm still amazed that you go some shows as a whole string of new vendors time and time again i'm like at this stage who where, where does everything fit in at this stage? You know, because, you know, vendor fatigue is real. It's certainly real on the end user as well when the MSP is constantly trying to sell them a new widget or a new, a new solution, a new tool, whatever it be. But you have to draw the line eventually and say, hey, what are the bare essentials that I need here to, to run my MSP and keep my, my end users protected? Certainly coming into, you know, everyone's feeling the headwinds that the, you know, the economy isn't doing so great and we're in for a bumpy ride. So at that stage, people start to really kind of reevaluate their stack and not just security, but you know, all the convenience tools, the bits and pieces in there that just make your life that bit easier. So it comes down to tightening those first strings. What is it that's going to be left, you know, remain? What are the essentials to MSP in that stage? Yeah. Keith Nelson, you're out there. By the way, congratulations. You're 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 America's team, so you call it uh, <laughs> another one in the uh, in the win column. So congratulations to you and the rest of the Cowboys nation. Solid fourth quarter. Yeah. Don't forget, the Eagles are still in that same division, and I think our record is just a little bit better. But that's okay. I think we have a rendezvous on Christmas Eve. How about four four teams out of one division making the playoffs? Is that ever Has that ever happened before? No, I don't think so. That'd be interesting. NFC Least has flipped it up upside down. So – to your anyway. point, you know, security doesn't scale well downward. And that's one of the issues. I, you know, by the you have to hire, there's no guy. You know, there's no like IT guy who does everything from printers to networking to security to desktops to databases to applications. Now, that's something we've been preaching to our customers forever. The reason they have to hire an MSP is because they can't hire a guy. And then internally, we try to do that as an MSP and you're going, you need a guy that just sits there and keeps track of the threats and you, and it doesn't scale downward very well. Right. You're going like, um, it just, it'd be too expensive to have a security guy with less than probably a thousand seats. It, it really is. You know, you need to be watching what's going on. The landscape changes. Um, and then, and then, as you pointed out, many of these guys migrated from break fix to all of a sudden they're an MSP, which who knows what the hell that is, and then an MSSP. And then we just, what do we just keep adding letters until we feel good about ourselves? You're going, it's, it's an education process. You got to hire specialists. And because I teach that, you're going like, they're a little bit of an unusual breed. Hope I don't insult anyone doing that, but they're, they're, they're really committed to this. Um, cybersecurity and, and and really learning and there, it's I think it's a different personality than you can go out on the street as as an MSP who's also selling and talking about business process and you know what your client really doesn't want to know what's going on underneath the covers because it's so specialized they want to know you're protecting them from what's going on underneath the covers just my opinion so, so let me zoom out. I'm going to ask a big question. Is the one-man internal system admin role extinct? Does that even work anymore then? Or is that is that a myth now? I don't even know. how. I could see it as a project manager, administrator of subcontractors. Um, 
but as the guy, no, I just, it just doesn't, I mean, you're very limited in, in, in the quality of, of a product you can deliver and the hygiene would be nil. Hmm. But even at that as well, we run into a, a huge amount of co-managed environments. That's what we're seeing time and time again. So for that one internal IT guy who can manage their, you know, maintenance and the cabling and phones and whatever it be, you know, you know, you know as well as I do, this is a constant um, educational journey. Like you can be elite today and be outdated tomorrow. You need to be up to date with new attack vectors, the, the threat landscape, and what tools are out there. You know, it's constantly evolving at such a rapid pace that if you're not living and breathing in that space, like even me as a sales manager, I sit on quite a few webinars from vendors, from MSPs, from stuff like this, just to kind of keep myself up to speed and regurgitate that, that, that information and watch out there to my team and say, hey, look, this is the attack factors we're seeing. This is how people are stopping it. This is the, the, the issues that MSPs or MSSPs or end users are facing to make it at least that they have a bit of background on it as well. But you take your finger off the pulse for, for a few months and you're, you're already outdated at that stage. Is it true that like 80%, this is putting this out there, 80, I've heard 80% of the incidents aren't somebody trying to get in from the outside. It's a human being clicking or doing the wrong thing on the inside. Is that still true? Is that, you believe that's still the majority of where, you know, like people are either getting fooled into doing something incorrectly, they click on the wrong thing, they press the wrong thing, and that then just, you know, opens up Pandora. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I've, I've heard that figure thrown out quite a bit. And, you know, being a security vendor, we have a huge amount of people come to us after a breach, after a compromise, whatever, after some kind of security incident. Um, and a lot of it, yeah, sure, it, it, it is, you know, down to either poor training or they just ignore training. You know, some people are basically are, some people are untrainable. Let's, let's be honest about it. So all the training in the world, one example, for instance, my last operations manager, massive corporations used to move her wind she had three screens she used to move her windows back and forth over different screens she didn't know how to minimize at that stage oh yeah she'd been working with, with, with computers 20 plus years had no idea how to minimize the window i showed her she thought i invented it she thought i wrote this bit of code to to, to do this function so at that stage she was also the same person who would share everything on, on facebook you know what what street did you grow up on what's your favorite color yada 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 this kind of stuff all the training in the world at her at the operations um you know level keys to the kingdom keys to everything in that, in that in that corporation at that stage you need to you need something to protect themselves against from themselves essentially so yeah, george you you brought up the classic chicken and egg you're going like was it internal well it was internal because it was motivated by external so sure, it's that, they, kind of, getting good it's, at it's, it's kind of circular you yeah. didn't do th something stupid just on your own, you did it in response to a phishing email or a link. So it's kind of like this circular, what came first? Probably the bait. Now, um, and that's that's completely external and going to live with us forever and ever and ever and get better and better and better. So, so Keith, do you, I mean, you do a lot of stuff, right? You're in education, you're in a bunch of different areas, but do we now need to, as part of the, you know, recruitment hiring process, validate that you have the, you know, 
a certain level of computer skills, right? You know, like the aptitude that you can learn what needs to happen or not need to happen in order to bring people on board. Is that, is that legitimate? I actually think you have to develop the processes, the business processes and the workflows with quality vendors so that the right people can do the right job. And that's not technology across the board. So I think you have to make the back end protect the users. You're not going to replace a great sales guy with a great tech, right? Yeah. You're not going to you're not going to replace you know one of our customers is is aerospace, a pneumatic bending guy who's a machinist, who's just not technical. And that sounds kind of odd because he's running a pneumatic bending machine. You're going, I couldn't go to that company and say, get rid of him because he falls for stupid stuff on the back end. They're going like, he makes us millions of dollars. It's my job to make sure that I can fence him in and let him do his job freely and without interference, but without threat. Hmm. You know, so Shane, he, you know, the, the constant battle, I, I've never heard this been solved, is that the user experience is becoming so bumpy, is maybe the right word, because of all the extra steps I need to order to work with all of these various, you know, security things that, you know, it's almost slowing them down to be able to just work. Is that still the case or do you feel like it's getting better? It depends on, you know, on the end user themselves. Different end users have different expectations. Some get it, some don't. You know, um, certainly the, the, the model we take will definitely, you know, it'll definitely impact them. You want to have to request something. You you want rights to admin rights to do anything. You had to come into us, request it from FetLocker or from the MSP and approve it. So in that regard, and the thing is, you know, our, our a lot of our top clients, like, yes, look, it definitely slowed down a little bit. But the, the alternative is, you know, getting hit this, this, and this. So it comes down to the end users. Some will appreciate, some will, will push, some will push back, some won't even go to dual factor. You know what that is. It's it's mind-boggling. So yeah, it just depends on the end specific end user, how, what their needs are, what their expectations are. Are they security focused or security conscious? Are they willing to sacrifice that little bit of convenience to have a more secure environment and protect themselves? And depending on their awareness and, and their knowledge and you know, of what's going on in the world or what the threat landscape looks like, um, it, it'll shape their opinion on it. You know, if you see someone who's either been hit or has no someone's been hit with some kind of, you know, security incident, their attitude changes very quickly. You know, the other people who read it in the news, you know, yeah, I'm too, you know, it's a common thing. We're too small to be hit. You know, we're only a small mom and pop company. We're only, you know, whatever it be. But, you know, I've, I spoke to... Um, a restaurant manager not so long out in, out in Disney Springs here, but they got they got hit pretty bad. Everything got ripped out, pulled into the cloud, and they were the guys we never thought it had an impact on us. But all of a sudden, your timetabling software, everything that's that's running your business for the next year, and these guys are fully booked, like months in advance, is gone. Like how much did that work to you? If they give you a rant, hit you with a ransom, quarter million dollars, what 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 loss in business is that going to cost you? That that will cost you millions of dollars to pay a quarter million, you know, to fix it. Well, hopefully fix it to give your data back, you know, so people who go through incidents or know people who are affected by it, their attitude shifts very, very quickly. And unfortunately it is getting more and more common. You know, you, you've seen it, it's gone from like talk of, of, of security and hackers and all that kind of stuff has shifted from 
conventions or, or technical people like yourselves, a convention is to the forefront. My mom is a principal in a school back in Ireland. Her security budget went up $100,000 last year. And that's, and all of a sudden now she's asking what's going on. She has, she's invested in it. And it's not just hers. I, I, I meet people who in traditional you know, walks of life would know, have no knowledge or no interest in security or, or you know, cybercrime or anything. All of a sudden they're taking note. They're sitting there listening. They're, 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 they're curious. How often do you see it? All of a sudden, you know, you're seeing obviously with Russia going into Ukraine, there's been front page news and all the back and forth, the attacks going on. But it's front page news now. People are realizing it's not limited to, to you know, high level corporations. It's not restricted to government entities, military targets. It's, it's open season right now. You're seeing charities, like you're seeing schools hit time and time again. You're seeing obviously healthcare facilities, hospitals are being crippled with this time and time again. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's definitely shifted the focus from people and they're, they're willing to commit both time and money and that, that little bit of e uh, ease of life to make sure that they're not getting hit or hopefully, but not can't make sure, but hopefully, you know, re reduce their attack surface so they're, they're less liable to be hit by something like this. Fair enough. Fair enough. And obviously they're willing to put some money towards it. What that dollar amount is, that's a big question. Let me, yeah, let me yeah. shift for a second. So not too long ago, I think like within the last 30 days, you guys uh, announced that you acquired a company called Third Wall. Mm -hmm. For anyone, like I know Threat Locker is pretty popular now. I think most people have heard of you somewhere. I'm not sure they've heard of Third Wall. What, why, what did they do and what did, why did we acquire them here? So Third Wall gives you the ability to create policies in, in your OS. It's, traditionally, it's only been through ConnectWise. It's been um, tied to ConnectWise predominantly. Um, it's just a way to harden your environment, build out policies um, through Microsoft and just really, really harden your environment. A lot of it comes down for us. The play was, you know, it's going to check a lot of boxes in terms of compliance. That's what it is. They also have a, not so much an EDR function, but they have something akin to, you know, segmentation as well. So they see something happen. It's responsive. They're segmented off as well. But the big play for us is compliance. You know, we have a huge driving business for us coming towards us for CMMC, HIPAA, you know, all, all um, um, GDPR in Europe, essential aid in Australia. A huge amount of our market share is dedicated towards compliance. So, you know, name of the game, we need less less tools to cover more 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 controls. So by doing that, the acquisition of Third Wall um, is where that fits in. We are currently building a standalone agent, so it won't be tied to any particular RMM. And then we'll have integrations with all your major RMMs, hopefully um, early, early next year as well. So that was a play for us on that one. Awesome. So basically the goal here was, hey, you guys do what you do already really well. You guys have bought some new products, you know, to them, you know, since your your kind of core solution. Mm -hmm. This is meant to, you know, effectively check boxes from different compliance angles, right? So that you can apply almost, I don't know if group policy is the right word, but some, you know, basically similar. You're, you, yeah. Yeah. You're you're locking down your 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 workstation environments to apply to comply with the whatever the industry thing that you're trying to check box for, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You know, George, you brought up an excellent point earlier where you were talking about cost per all the security. And you're going, that's really not the question. What's the question? The question is, first of all, you're going, how can I integrate all this into the business processes to keep their labor efficient? Because That's you're very difficult based on the fact that you have, I feel like a completely, like I used to say coming into 2000, average MSP is going to have 
Yeah, 40 to 45 outside vendor solution software, something, call it whatever you want, technologies, they have to consolidate into their offering in order to do it. And then security kind of blew up. And then like that brought like another 10, 15, 20 solutions potentially on top of the 40, 45 became its own animal just to some degree. So like, how do you get all of those individual things, right? Like we could name them all here, right? Is it MFA? Is it spam, spam filter and link checking? Is it, you know, DLP, right? You know, which is data loss prevention now. And I think, you know, somebody was on earlier that said that's the next big thing that they're going to try and enforce at the workstation level. Is it, you know, um, narrowing traffic based on certain IP addresses or geofencing or, you know, you know, and then you get some of the stuff the threat locker does application control and whitelisting and, and ring fencing of, of, um, of the applications on the machine. Like by the time you start adding all these things up, Keith, I mean, how do you keep the experience good for the end user? Well, that is actually the million dollar question. That's what well, I want. It's part of it is we've, I mean, for decades, we've been, we've been running computers in kiosk mode, which is yeah. kind of the, the early grandfather to um, zero trust or limited trust, whatever you want to call it. You're going, it wasn't only about security back then. It was, I don't want George playing solitaire because he's sure. supposed to be building widgets. So there is this true business value into locking down computers um, to, to create labor efficiency. And I, I, I challenge you to find a business which would be very rare where labor isn't their big cost. I would think almost increase every business, in, that's their cost. The increase in 25 to $50 per workstation to make sure they run efficiently, effectively is minimal to labor savings in a, in a week, let alone in a day, let alone a month or annually. And the next thing is when you look at, you say, um, especially in highly um efficient workflows like lean manufacturing, you're going, one workstation compromised causes them more than you're going to pay me for the entire year of securing their network. Well, in that case, right. And like, a, you know, when you're in like a manufacturing environment where one station holds up the rest of the, of the whole business process. Right. I mean, I mean, totally we don't send out 10,000 longshoremen on the West coast one day, even yeah. for an hour. You're going, it, 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 you have to look at the business cost. And I, then but I feel, I feel like, and I hate to use bronze, gold, silver, right? Because they're so overused. But how, and, and let me go back to an example I brought up a long time ago. What about the donut shop down the street? Okay. Like they just don't have the same requirements as a CPA or a lawyer or, you know, sure they a do. school, right? Sure they do. They're selling okay. experience. If you go into your donut shop uh -huh. and there's no coffee because their inventory isn't flowing right, or they don't have your favorite donut, eventually you're going to go somewhere else. Sure. So no one, everyone sells experience. That's what you buy. You know, you know what? A car is a car. Why do you buy a Mercedes or a Porsche? For the experience. Because it's it's not a Tesla, that's why. Right. <laughs> because you buy it for the experience, right? Uh, I got you. So so if like I go into my donut shop or I go to Panera every morning. If I go in there and the coffee pot's empty, I'm gonna start hitting up Starbucks. Fair, fair. Or what uh, here at Wawa. I know that's yeah. kind of starting to be popular in Florida too, down yep. by Shane. But love it. Um 
but like not every business has the complexity as others. So is there such a thing as narrowing the security footprint based on the size of the customer, right? Because that also, I would think if the customer is a smaller retail place versus more of a professional services business, the amount of budget they can apply towards technology like this changes, right? I mean, I know back in the day, I don't know if this is still true, you used to say, hey, take 1% of your gross revenue annually, and that should be what's applied towards technology. I don't know if that's a number anymore, but that's what that, you know, that was what it used to be. So 1% of a retail donut place versus 1% of a law firm are surely going to be different. On, on the other side is the ability to survive an incident doesn't scale down well either. So the donut shop, you're going like your exposure is higher because you don't have the reserves you know, it goes a week, you can't take credit cards, you may not be out of business, right? Um, so it doesn't scale down well either. And I think it is relational because they have a less smaller network and, and you can do a lot of things to simplify it. And, and those security add-ons are really not that costly. This is, this is true. This is true. Shane, I'm going to throw it out there. Please don't be offended, but I get worried when an MSP says, hey, this $1 per seat, per user, per machine add-on solved everything. Mm. I just don't think that's realistic. But these people, I, I, I promise you, I've run into people who have said, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, okay. But our, you know, I don't feel comfortable that that one product, that $1 per user, you know, is going to fix your, all of your security problems. No, and we we run into it quite a bit, you know. And unfortunately, we 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 see recently we worked with a, a pretty substantial size MSP, made 10, 12,000 endpoints. Who at one stage he was boasting me how much he spent with Microsoft every month. It was wild money, I mean wild money. And then he started talking about a security stack. It was pennies. I mean pennies. Um, I met him way back, maybe a year, year and a half ago. And sure enough, he came into us a year later, had hit, been hit with two major security incidents. I mean, terrifying stuff. But back then, I couldn't tell him. I couldn't say, and that's not me talking about other vendors, that's not me talking about us. I can say, that is not a security stack. That is a one-dimensional, one way of thinking, you know, just these, these guys are dynamic. These, these bad actors, you know, they're creative, they're crafty, you know, they, they'll figure out ways. That's where a stack comes in, that layered approach we all talk about. There's no one-stop shop. There's no silver bullets. There's none of this, none of that, even remotely. Even with the most advanced security stack you can possibly offer, you know, if you're still guaranteeing anything, you're crazy. You're crazy, you're an idiot. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. So, so let me ask you this. Let me turn this around. How much does the, does the insurance policy, I hope there's one, because some people mm. just don't have it, okay? But yeah. how much does the security policy dictate what, investment in, in security efforts go in versus not? Honestly, what we're seeing now more and more. I don't know, maybe a year ago, it wasn't so much of a question. It wasn't much around as much in conversation. But, you know, you're seeing, we go to these conferences, you're seeing more and more, you know, keynotes and breakout rooms about insurance, insurance, insurance. So when you talk about compliance, CMMP, HIPAA, whatever it be, they really, really, they haven't got much of a bite to them. No one's been audited. No one's been fined. You know, that's the reality of it. So what's happening is now, like all the compliance talk we want to say, it's not really pushing the, pushing the, the, the needle. 
what is pushing is insurance companies. Hey, you're not complying. You're not adhering to, um, you know, EDR, MDR, SOC 10, whatever. Be you need to check all these boxes. So all of a sudden, when their end users get these these quotes in or in these these outrageous policies, because the insurance companies have been just writing policies willy nilly for the last few years, thinking that nothing's ever going to happen. We're never going to pay out. This is free money for us. Fast forward now, and you see that's not the case. Obviously, so they're they're scrambling back to the drawing board, writing. They compensate now with these outrageous policies or even just not quoting whatsoever. Like a lot more just pulling out of the market. So you've seen the rise of, you know, the, the MSP focused insurance companies now and uh, cyber insurance focused companies. So now all of a sudden those end users are saying, well, my policy went from $2,000 to $20,000 in the space of a year. What's going on? How do I get it back down again? Hold on, hold on, hold on. $2,000. Who's paying 20? Like, I don't see anyone going from two to 20 and actually paying the 20. No, they're not. They're not. They're just straight up. I'm like, just getting some wild quotes. We've seen some wild quotes being thrown out. Some crazy, outrageous quotes. But we also deal with large corporations as well. So that's where the big numbers are coming in as well. Well, um, if it was a large corporation and they were only spending 2000 on whatever yeah. their cyber, that probably wasn't enough. Let's be honest. 100%. Um, yeah. So what, even for your typical end users we deal with, your mom and pop shops, small businesses, when they're seeing their quotes coming in, how come it's increased 100% or whatever it be? And how can I get it back down? You need to start checking these boxes. So while you don't want to be compliant, you know, you want to check boxes to get your insurance. And that's the drive there. They don't care about compliancy. They care about getting their premiums down. And that's when they start yeah. going to different vendors and what boxes they can check. And certainly we see that a lot in Australia. You know, our, our second largest market outside of North America I think up until last month, I think was Australia, which is crazy because they were so heavily locked down during COVID. We just couldn't get down there. We couldn't do shows. And we did very, very limited marketing, if anything. But they have what's called the essential aid. So it's eight controls you have to have in place and um, to work at a federal level. And it's pretty, it's pretty proficient. It's, it's been kind of adopted uh, across the board. Not 100%, but definitely a big uptick in it compared to you know, compliancy here. Um, and then we checked. <laughs> I think we checked five of the controls out of the eight of them. So just through word of mouth. I mean, all of a sudden we're doing demos at eight at two a.m., three a.m. I mean, we, we work the witching I, hours I, as well. I've done that. That that's you know, you, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, so okay, this is interesting because every country, like UK, has their own cyber essentials thing. Australia, mm -hmm. now you're just talking about their thing. I would think the U.S. version of that is CMMC. Yeah, I don't I know. Yes. Yeah, close enough. I, I yeah, I think that that would probably be the, the closer thing to essential aid. Um, yeah, I just don't but, think CMMC is like a household or even like to the you know most smaller businesses. Probably closer to CIS. Most insurance questions. Okay. I think they're more. But you know, you bring up a, the same thing happened in the auto insurance market, which is why you have so many auto, auto, uninsured motorists. Unless we mitigate the cost of security and insurance combined. People are going to run unprotected. And so you solve nothing. Then all of a sudden, they're not even going to conform with any of the guidelines. So it is it is a little bit problematic in that sense. You have to make it reasonable and, and so on and, 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 make it, um, and make it not harm a, a client's business. And remember, we're the pirates that sold them Semantic 10 years ago. <laughs> if you've been in the business that long. So I always tell people, remember that when your customer's a little resistant. I don't blame them. We have to educate them on the process that even what I'm offering you today 
is only going to be as good as we're ahead of the curve. And so we used to go down there and say, we got this Norton antivirus you put on your computer and go, we're good. And so there, it's reasonable for them to question, what's all this new stuff you're selling me? Hmm. That's true. I That's thought true. They, he, he, I, I, they I, need to show the, the why and not the what. You know, this is what we're selling you. But, you know, vendor fatigue is clearly a big thing for MSPs, but also for the end users. If you're constantly, each year, you're reading up your stack and you're adding more and more widgets and bits and pieces, you know, they're going to get burnt out. Like, this is just a sales push every year. Here we come. Here comes Keith with his, with his new bits and pieces. Like, but you have to educate them. You know, you have to show, look at this is why we're utilizing this. This is why we're moving to, to this MDR, EDR, or, you know, zero trust framework, whatever it be, as long as you can educate them. But therein lies a challenge as well. You know, if they don't want to listen, well, what, what do you do? I, I think that, um, I think that it's a little bit easier now. Like I would say coming out of, like pandemic was probably tough for everyone. You came out, business back, starting to get back to normal things are, are rolling, but I think like we call the MS, I call MSP land a sandbox, right? There's a lot of sandboxes. Every industry has their, has their thing, but I feel like people are talking about it more. I think in the past, like you kind of hid from it, you know, like you didn't want to admit that you had a problem. I think like, you know, like whether it's the doctors or the accountants or the lawyers or the engineers or whatever, I think they're all starting to say, yeah, so-and-so Joey over here got hit and like, we need to like not do that. Right. And I think that's starting to spread a little bit more granularly these days, rather than in the past. I think even MSPs have, you know, have admitted more now that they've run into their own challenges, even internally, you know, from, from even before. So I think the, the culture needs to continue to change to the point where, you know, it's not, I'm not saying don't defend yourself and your company and make sure that you're doing the right things, but like, we need to learn from how everybody's actually getting hit in order to understand yeah. the best way to move forward. And if we don't have enough data, how do we realize what's good or what's bad other than just building stuff to build it? And that's, you're seeing, you're seeing the, the, the channel obviously mature in that, in that way as well, that, you know, traditionally people would not disclose that they've been hit for like, for obvious reasons, you don't want to hurt your business or your reputation, you know, whatever it be. Um, but if you hide it all away, don't speak on it. No one's going to be any, any none the wiser because of it. And um, I watched Robert Robert Kiofi, I don't know if I butchered his, his surname, uh, speak. Um, he did write a boom and stuff, and openly spoke about him being hit um, for July weekend uh, last year. And it's it's chilling. I mean, it is for him. He's an MSP. If anybody doesn't know, an MSP based up in New York, I think for July weekend he got hit with could say a VSA. Um, I think couple of thousand endpoints all encrypted in the matter in in a split section i mean no time and he tells a, a phenomenal story that a cto walks down the hallway just white as a ghost that it's all gone it's like what's all gone it's everything everything is gone every endpoint they had under under that under their their umbrella what was was encrypted and i mean i use this as you know as a training material for, for my team i trained the msp sales team hey you know you should read this or, or watch this you know, because, you know, if these guys don't come from MSP background and come from whatever sales roles in, that's not how you sell. You know, you need to have empathy here. You need to realize there's real ramifications for people and their end users of what really happens. You know, so, I mean, for him to be up on stage and speaking about it, and now he's spoken a number of times at different, um, around the world, actually. He was in Italy a few months back. I mean, I applaud it. It's fantastic. Good for you. 
to, to, to go out there and kind of share your story and show how you got hit and how, you know, educate people on what the real impact is on us. I think we, you know, we, you know, going back to the beginning of this session, but we've been talking about automation for so long, right? Like, Hey, you know, like how a two man MSP can become a $2 million MSP with just writing scripts and building automation. But when that automation's turned against you, that's the scary part. This is what we're talking about right now. So I think there has to be some, you know, I, I know we've said it a thousand times, but it's worth saying a thousand and one, right? Like MSP needs to do their internal house housekeeping first, right? Because they could be the gateway to how their customers ultimately get hit. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's the vendor's responsibility building software to make sure that they're doing it responsibly. It's the MSP's responsibility to make sure they're doing their part and user obviously needs you know their help to get it done. But it just seems like not everybody's on the same page though, Shane, Keith, like some, some people just haven't even gone down this road. I think that, you know, it sounds crazy, right? Cause all we've heard is security for the last two, three years, but some people are like, Hey, if it ain't broke, don't it's, fix it. It's a, it's an easier sale for people that are a little intellectual, intellectually lazy. Of course. Yeah. It's easier to go in there. Remember Kmart was real popular till it went broke. It's, it's real easy to take the blue light out until you have issues and then, you know, you're gone. Um, but you know, there are people and, and then there are people that I talk to at conferences, you go, you, Oh, I'm going to be horrible. People are going to like, I wouldn't let them work on my cell phone, let alone my network. Oof, bold statement. And so you're going, you know, they're, I don't think they're doing anything malicious. They were building computers in their back garage and all of a sudden they think I'm a guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm a guy is an actual domain name out there. Um, <laughs> I'm a guy.com. Um, should probably go check it. Uh, so, Keith, what would like, what's the bet? What, what is the minimum standard then? Right. Shane, same question to you. What, what's the minimum standard? Like I know there's differing levels of maturity. I know that that's going to constantly be the case. There's that's just a time thing. What's the okay level. Uh, is, is there an I, accepted level? Is it, I don't is think it, I'd answer. I, I mean, I don't want to be evasive. It, it, it really, I have to look at the business, the business workflows, their exposure. Um, you know, I don't think they're, the stack is, we have like one stack and you have to include that in, in the real question is the implementation schedule, not the end result. That's my view. Other people may have different views. It may not be as easy to get everyone because of proprietary software or you know, you, you deal in some machine shops or some hotels with hospitality that have aged OS and, and aged a line of business software. And you're going like, this is going to take us a while to migrate us where you need to go. But the standard is the CIS standards or the CMMC, which are very similar in a line. I think that it's not a matter of what the end is. It's how you can get there without being too disruptive to the business. And then how you can mitigate the areas you can't address. As an example, and I think Shane and I have talked about this in the past, you start dealing in, and this is in military aircraft building, you're going, they have CMMC machines that 
we can't bring to OS compliant. Um, and they're in the middle of building things to protect the country. So, and you can't completely ring fence them because they're talking to multiple end um, machines or talking to the CAD drawings and the government requires them to report up to skunk works. So you have to mitigate that as best as you can. You have to VLAN it. You have to maybe really be a lot closer looking at your, your, your SIM logs and your SIS logs and, 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 you know, there's some things you can't solve the best way. So you have to learn how to mitigate those until you can. I I would, I mean, listen, I'm going to throw out what I think is the case, just my opinion, Shane. I would say five or six out of every 10 MSPs out there have never looked at a single thing from CIS or CMMC for that matter. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. I just got to be honest with you. Like that's, you know, when I, if I were to bring that up to every conversation, I don't think I would get half the people at least saying, yeah, I've heard of it, but I have no clue. I've never looked at it. But I'm actually working with um, an MSP right across the, across the road from us. Um, and actually I met him just by, by chance, not, not at a trade show. He's never been to a trade show. He's a, a decent sized MSP as well. Um, never been to a trade show, doesn't know, any of the vendors, any of this stuff, he's just in, in a complete bubble. And he just goes with does his thing and has a, a stack and so I'm like, what influences your decisions? Like, how how do you keep up the day? He's like, oh, I just kind of wander through. But he's no, he's no slouch either. He knows his stuff. He's a smart guy. But I just, I just, I, it's crazy to me that he's just so insulated away from everything. So when you talk about CMMC and Hippie, he's like, huh? What? It's like, it's like, but at the same time, I, I look at it, he's doing what he's doing and he's, he's, to what he does as well but i mean there's a whole different aspect of the msp community that that doesn't you know attend these shows doesn't you know in, like, communicate in, in in the channel and be or even part of the channel essentially while they are an msp they aren't really part of the channel and we come across them every now and again they come across a website click from us or whatever and it's it's, it's insane to me at this stage how do you even keep up to, up to date with what's going on it's like reddit well i reddit. mean you know <laughs> by, by, the, by the way brent went and looked up I am a guy, and yes, it's taken. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, it was worth it uh, checking out. But um, we had a guy that, you know, we had a guy from um, Malwarebytes several sessions ago. You know, he just started there. He went from, he was working at Microsoft. He was working at a couple of enterprise companies. He let, you know, was, you know, left that, started a one-man MSP consultancy, you know, morphed into MSP, morphed into like, you know, a little bit of security focus, just sold his MSP, I think within the last year or two, and like took his first gig on like the vendor side in the sandbox for the first time. So pretty cool story, but that's what, that's how it happened, Shane, right? The reason mm -hmm. I, I tell this guy's journey is usually it's somebody who was working IT somewhere or learned it the hard way, right? Was just very interested in it and just learned it over time. And, you know, they put up IamAGuy.com or a site like that. <laughs> they start, they start like, you know, referral, word of mouth, you know, and you build up a company and then all of a sudden, you know, business time happens and a business occurs. I mean, that's how a lot of people get to where they go, right? Yeah. The challenge is, I don't know what the magic answer is here, Shane, because I'm not sure there is one. There's just no way to keep up with the fire hose of changes that come down. And like, it almost, 
it's almost like they back into the technology shame because their end customer raises their hand, says, I need this. And then they're like, well, let me go do some research and figure out what the options are, right? Exactly. They, they all of a sudden, they realize they have some kind of issue, some kind of problem that needs fixing. It's like, I don't know if the product out there, they are going to do a bit of research, maybe go on Reddit or go on some you know, MSP forums, whatever it be. And then, oh, wow, there is a product out here that can do this, this, and this. And that, we, we get that quite a bit. You know, they, they, they figure out they have a problem, then they go looking for a solution. It's not us going to them, it's them coming to work. I hope Reddit isn't the first place people go. I, I would hope <laughs> that's a, that, that goes back to the, if all the pigs eat at the same trough, they all gain the same weight. And yeah. if you have a bunch of guys spewing things that are incorrect just because they repeated them a lot, doesn't make it factual. In fact, yeah. if you ever study a chameleon, which is a different subject, they talk about that's called chanting. And there was a, a pr person who later became president that said, it's not about what's true. It's what you can get people to repeat. And we have to remember that. You get on those forums and you're going like, you're all listening to the same guy who was wrong. I, you know, I, I, guess, I guess the big challenge moving forward is, you know, you know what, if we're all tied to the industry, right? right? We're all kind of typecast as an industry. If an MSP gets caught, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time and something bad happened, do we all not take a little bit of a hit for that, right? As a, as a community, right? Like, you know, isn't the goal to do the whole rising of all ships? I know that's the idea, but usually what happens is, is that like an end customer gets hit, their name ends up in the headline and then it goes back to, well, who was responsible for their technology? And then the dominoes start to fall, right? And then mm -hmm. maybe we all look a little bad for that. Do you believe that? Yeah, definitely. Like this is a communal thing. You know, as you said, like, you know, raise the tide, every boat, all that. So, you know, when one person gets hit, it's hurting the community. It, it devalues the end user's trust in, in the tech community or in the MSP community. Oh, well, why am I paying this MSP? I just got hit. I was like, you know, we know, it happens. I don't care what your stack is. Like it, it can happen. You can get that to the best of us. Um, but all of a sudden, if they start to question, oh, well, why am I paying an MSP? Why am I doing this? So I think you know that that shared knowledge of your experience, of, of their experience, if you've been hit or went through a security incident, by you sharing that with people, it's just going to raise awareness and promote you know, the channel and promote, promote the, the, the community to, to combat against it. At the end of the line, the battle line is drawn. You, you see it that like you've got your that all these bad actors, you have all these ransomware groups and stuff. You can't beat it alone. No, no vendor or no MSP can, can, can go alone on this. They're too, too sophisticated, too well organized. So the only way we, we can put up a fight against these is by the sharing of knowledge, you know, sharing what's working for you, sharing of those, like, these secrets that, you know, today, by all means, I get it. Like, MSPs will have local competitors and what, whatnot. That's one thing. I don't, you don't have to sell your stack to everybody in your local town or city. You know, so they can come out, outbid you, whatever it be. But in terms of the forums, in terms of, of, of webinars like this, in terms of, you know, actual shows and all the breakout rooms and such, that's the place to be sharing this knowledge. You know, raise the tide, make people aware of what, what happened to you, how you were got, and hopefully prevent other people to do it. And on top of that, just being a decent person. You know, if you get hit and you, it costs you a whole bunch of money, costs you your business, you know, if you can do something to prevent that happening to somebody else, why wouldn't you? Even if it is a competitor, do you really want to see them being hit, be out of business, or you know, or even like their end user being a mom and pop company 
been shut down because because of this. So you know, I'm all for like pulling together and, and trying to kind of raise the tide. Well, good news is you guys over at Threat Locker are running an event called Zero Trust World. So I think this is your third year. Yep. Our current up here stay in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> in Florida, February 1st to the 3rd. So we're a little less than 60 days out. Um, check this out, guys. Go to zerotrustworld.threatlocker.com. Check out the agenda. Looks like it's three days of a lot of learning, including hands-on stuff. So could be a chance for you to learn some of this more targeted security stuff. Um, plus, uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of events in Florida this year, but start the year off a little bit warm, especially if you're not living in the, uh, you know, the, the, the Orlando sunlight like you are, Shane, and sometimes some rain. Um, for whatever it's worth, I mean, the more you learn, the better you're going to be. And there's a constant education process. So one thing we are working towards here at the MSP initiative side, and I know we did a lot of the Channel Strong Tour from 2020 through, through this year, and that was great. Uh, we're going to do four quarterly events going into 2023, all for you. We're going to bring experts together. We're going to bring, hopefully, people like Shane and his company to help do training. And we're going to do four events around the U.S. quarterly, where it's just going to be working with subject matter experts to do something, right? Like, no offense, I've been to a lot of events. And like the hands-on stuff I love because that's how I learn. It's just me personally. But like, I can't tell you how many breakout sessions I've ever been to. I walk away from a PowerPoint slide. There's bullets. And it's like, oh, I guess I should learn how to do X. And like, I don't even, I never start because, you know, like they just give you the concept, right? I want to shift that the other way. I want you to walk out with something tangible. Is it a legal thing? Is it a sales thing? Is it a profitability thing? Is it a operations thing? We're going to bring some experts together. We're going to bring some companies that can do training in specific topics, and we're going to put that together. I'm going to do four community-based events so that we can help you, right? It's not about the pitch. It's not about the billboard. You know, It's about you actually getting access to people who can help you progress something past an idea, okay? So we're going to, we're going to share more information coming into 2023, but um, I think Zero Trust World is a good place to start, especially if you want to learn about security. Check it out. Um, plus, like I said, Florida in February. Sign me up. Um, Shane, we saw you a lot this year. I know you're on the road a lot, although I think you, you're kind of lucky because all these events always happen in Florida for some reason because, like, everybody wants to go to Florida, right? I don't want local events. I mean, they have to drive home. <laughs> like, <laughs> no hotel room for you. Right? No, you no. So I like, send me anywhere outside of Orlando. I'm happy. But, yeah, look, we, we I love doing the shows. You know me. I I love being front and center. I love shaking hands, kissing babies, having those conversations. I mean, yeah, I'm I, that that's the, the part of, of, of my job that I, I adore the most. I'm happy. I don't like being away from my family, don't get me wrong. Um, but if you can put me at these shows, I'm just happy. I'm sitting there beaming from ear to ear. I love it. They're long days, long nights, but I wouldn't change it. Interesting. As much as we're a, a community about technology. Man, do we love the in-person stuff, right? Oh, like that, yeah, I think yeah. is the best. I would, yeah. Everything that we do, I think, no, if any, uh, unless you're just really like, you like to live in the cave and you don't like to be around people, take that aside. I mean, if that's you, cool, but I like the other way. Yeah, You, you cannot share a cigar online. This is true. <laughs> Did you finish all your cigars? Should we get you some more there, Keith Nelson? You know, out of the ones I got at ConnectWise, which they gave me like 35, I'm wow. down to two. 
Wow. Wow. Okay. So we need yeah, to restock. Somehow they forgot to bring some downstairs and some lady from ConnectWise saw me in the elevator and said, I heard you're the guy that won't let these go to waste. And I said, good choice. <laughs> this is true. Plus, yeah. you love to take high ends, you know, tra- you know, you know, travel, you know, to and from the airport. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, you know, have the cigar, have the whiskey, have the limo. I mean, it all fits. I learned from you, George. Well, I mean, but I'm not driving a Tesla either. Don't forget. No, I, I, I don't drive them. I have them. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your employees drive them instead. I got one for my son. And your son. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Shane, if anybody wants to talk to you, learn more about what's happening over at Threat Locker and with the addition of Third Wall, and just mm-hmm. in general, maybe they want to learn a little bit more about Zero Trust World. How do they get a hold of you? Shane.Degan at threatlocker.com. I was my, my, give me a, my cell phone about 689 333 7036. Always get to laugh with my, in my, start my sales spam tip. now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you guys, you know, you want to reach out to me. I'm always available. I'm, I'm big on LinkedIn. You know, you need to answer from me, guys. You have some questions. Why don't I just sit down and have a whiskey? Even I'm, I'm your guy as well. Tell some stories. I'm all about it. So I've Keith yeah. Nelson with the whisk with the cigars and you with the whiskey. I think we're in good shape. It's a, it's a perfect pairing. There we exactly. go. Exactly. Guys, this session was recorded. Go back. You're going to see it at mspinitiative.com under sessions. And we're going to keep doing these throughout the end of the year. Uh, we'll take a little break over that Christmas, New Year's mm-hmm. holiday, and then continue on. Uh, you know, check out uh, zerotrustworld.threatlocker.com. And we'll shortly be posting some information about those events we just mentioned earlier. And I can't wait to see people out on the road. Shane, talk to you soon, buddy. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. You got it, guys. See ya.